Good morning. Wasn't that awesome? Can we give the Lord a praise for praise and worship? Those that know me know that I I love just the ministry of worship and those that God has graced with such gifts to be able to lead us uh, into worship and to cause our minds to come into thinking upon who the Lord Jesus Christ is. So I truly thank God for those that minister and, and go forth and worship before us. Amen. They are not our substitutes of worship. They are just those, amen, that remind us that we are called to worship. Amen. Amen. So I thank God for them. This is a wonderfully beautiful most awesome hot day. I have to say that because I'm one of those extreme complainers because I can't stand when it's cold, so I complain and I say, Lord, where is the heat? Where is the summer? I'm ready for it to get hot. And then when it gets hot like this, then I'm complaining again. And I'm saying, Lord, where is the fresh wind and the breeze? Anybody else agree with me? complainers, never satisfied, but we thank God, amen, for the fact that he is able to keep us even in this kind of weather, amen. All right, I am standing before you today just to share a message in the word today. I thank God for being in this ministry, in this church where we have been given opportunities to preach the gospel and share the message of the Lord Uh, because it is an honor to do so. Let me just really say that it is a blessing and an honor to be able to be called of God to share his good news and his message before his people. And so here at New Community, as I have been given this opportunity to be here, to be a uh, resident church planner here for this short period of time that I've been here, and then to be blessed with the opportunity to share of the message that I believe with my whole heart. I thank God for that opportunity. So for those that don't know me, my name is Pastor Angela Tebow, and I am who I am. I don't have, they put a little, little short little writing in the bulletin about me, and that's pretty much it. Y'all, y'all not going to just clap? Just, can you? <laughs> I'm just teasing with you, but I thank God, amen, for, for God allowing me this opportunity to be here. We are here today, beginning this month of July, and we have been uh, called different ministers and preachers that will come before you in this month, and we're going to talk about a theme, a particular theme of spiritual disciplines and spiritual practices, and particularly I'm going to highlight today the practice of fasting. How many of you fast, like to fast? I know. No hands. No hands. <laughs> Amen. Well, we're going to talk about that particular subject today. And they just, I believe that they set me up and put me to be the first one out here because, of course, nobody is going to like to hear this message. And nobody wants to be told about their disciplines or their lack thereof. So they threw me out here. I'm just messing with Pastor Michael. Threw me out here and told me that I was going to have to go forth and talk to you today about disciplines. 
So I want to, to begin by sharing that as I preach this message and as I talk about these particular things, I am letting you know that I have yet to perfect what I'm called to preach about. Amen? Yet to perfect what we are called to minister. Thank God for his mercy and for his grace and his long-suffering. Amen? To say that we can preach a perfect message without being perfect. Amen? Oh, wow. So I thank God for that. So I am here because I'm going to tell you some truths about myself, how I have in some ways utterly failed at spiritual disciplines. In some ways I have grown, amen, and through the grace of God in disciplines. And in some ways I am very much striving to become better in the disciplines that God has called us to. So as we talk about disciplines, particularly self-discipline, the thing that discipline defines itself as is the, the process or the possession of the ability to train or to develop yourself in instruction and exercise in self-control. To possess an ability to teach, to exercise, and to instruct yourself in spiritual disciplines or in self-control. Now, with this being a definition, most of us will look and we don't like disciplines. And we are living in a time and living in an age where discipline is not very much embraced. So here we are admonished through scriptures after verse after verse after verse to be a disciplined believer. And so in Proverbs 6, 6 through 11, it speaks about a little old ant. And it says that to this ant, it says, Ant, go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider its ways and be wise. It has, no, it has no commander, no overseer or ruler, yet it stores its provisions in summer and gathers its food at harvest. It says, How long will you lie there, you sluggard? When will you get up from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come on you like a thief and scarcity like an armed man. Now that sounds pretty much offensive to me. The scripture is calling us and speaking about those it calls the sluggards, lazy people, procrastinators, those that lack discipline, those that sit and rest, fold your hands, and we don't want to do anything. We don't want to be responsible for anything. But it said, go to this little ant who does not need external stimulation in order to go forth and do what it's called to do. Follow the ant because the ant now is working with wisdom, knowing that a time is going to come where they are going to be in need of food and they don't want to wait until the time comes in order to prepare themselves. So wisdom says, be disciplined. Even though it's sunny and it's nice outside and you want to enjoy the weather and you want to jump around and have fun, but be disciplined. Use wisdom because the time is going to come where you will be in need of provision and you will not have prepared yourself for that. So it said, seek discipline. Use that as wisdom. So spiritual disciplines are a vital, vital part of who we are as believers. It speaks not only to, to us and who we are desiring to be naturally, but what God desires to do in us spiritually. The writer V. Raymond Edmund, he says in his book, The Disciplines of Life, he says, ours is an undisciplined age. 
The old disciplines are breaking down. Above all, the discipline of divine grace is derided as legalism or is entirely unknown to a generation that is largely illiterate in scriptures. Says we need the rugged strength of Christian character that can come only from discipline. He is speaking about an age and speaking about a time in which we live in, especially here in our Western culture and American culture. We are accustomed to leisure, recreation. We enjoy those things and we believe that's what life is all about, one big party. So we choose to Remove ourselves from discipline. It speaks now about a Christian culture who now looks at disciplines as legalism. It used to be that disciplines and character forming was a part of who our, what our life was and what the Christian fellowship was about. But now we look at the disciplines now as legalism, with more rules and more regulations and things that we have to do. So we choose now to put them off. It even says that we laugh at them and we mock them because we think that they have no purpose and we don't see the works and the power that is used by these disciplines so we remove ourselves from them. Now we are accustomed now to being undisciplined. We are people who run away from difficulties. We avoid incomparable people. You know those people that get on your nerves that you really don't even want to do the work to get to know even to be able to be in their presence for a short period of time? Those people that you work with that you say, "Mm, I only got eight hours, just eight hours to deal with this person and then I am out of here until tomorrow. So we don't seek now to get to know each other. We don't seek to build relationships and to find out about people's lives and wonder why people's attitudes are the way that they are. So we avoid those kinds of relationships that make us work. We remove ourselves from struggles in marriages because we don't want to work out our problems in marriages. We don't want to deal with the things that change us and we don't want to deal with the things that cause us now to compromise for somebody else and the sacrifice for somebody else. So we either avoid marriage or we divorce in marriage because we don't want to do the work. We're undisciplined. We seek the easy way out or through things. We want it to be easy. If we have to work too hard, we say that ain't God. (laughs) That's not God that I have to work this hard to obtain anything. For after all, Jesus paid it all. So we seek the easy way and we call that the blessing and the favor of the Lord. That I don't have to work very hard to accomplish anything. I don't have to sacrifice any time because now those things should be given to me. We are people that seek this mindset of entitlement. Our children are entitled not having worked a day in their life. It's true, I have four. They feel as though you have a checkbook in your pocketbook and it ought to work. So when we go in the store, I want that. 
Even if you say, I don't have the money to, that's in the bank, they say, well, you got the checkbook, just write a check. You have a card, just use your card. We feel that our children feel that they're entitled. They're entitled to the new things that's out. All of the video games that comes out and all of the updated cell phones. My kids got cell phones like me and they don't bring home a check. How is that possible? (laughs) And to tell them you have not worked to get an iPhone. I'm going to keep you with a razor. They don't understand that. That's not fair, mom. Anybody? Oh, yeah, I know. I'm telling the truth. We feel a sense of entitlement. So we lack discipline. We don't want to work hard anymore. There was a time when hard work was commended. Hard work was appreciated and hard work was expected. Hard work was rewarded, but we don't want to work hard anymore. And we quit when things get tough. When things get tough, we bow out. We quit. We give up. We throw in the towel and we say, I'm not going to be able to do that. And that would be perfectly fine if we didn't have a God that said things like this. This is the kind of stuff that he says. He says this in Matthew 10, verses 16 through 25. He says, I am sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. Be on your guard. You will be handed over to the local councils and be flogged in the synagogues on my account. On my account, you will be brought before governors and kings as witnesses to them and to the Gentiles. But when they arrest you, do not worry about what they say, what to say or how to say it. At that time, you will be given what to say. For it will be, it will not be you speaking, but the spirit of your father speaking through you. Brother will betray brother to death and father his child. Children will rebel against their parents and have them put to death. You will be hated by everyone because of me, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. When you are persecuted in one place flee to another truly I tell you you will not finish going through the towns of Israel before the son of man comes the student is not above the teacher nor a servant above his master it is enough for students to be like their teachers and servants like their masters if the head of the house has been called Beelzebub how much more members of his household Our society tells us to avoid problems where God is saying, prepare yourself for them. He speaks about difficulties, not as possibilities, but certainties. He says, you're going to have trouble where people are not going to embrace you. You're going to face some difficulties where you will be persecuted sometimes for no reason except you name the name of God. He said, you're going to have some troubles as you go out in this world because this world now is in direct opposition of my message, of my kingdom, and of my authority. He said, so prepare yourself to go out and face difficulties. But now in society, it tells us to avoid difficulties. Go somewhere. Remove yourself from them. Stay away from those people that cause you trouble or those people that don't agree with everything that you say. Avoid those things. Well, we can't do that 
as a believer. So what do we do? It says now that the world, we are completely overwhelmed and highly stressed. 77% of Americans, according to the American Psychological Association survey done in this year of 2012, it says that 77% of Americans are stressed out. It says they spend $300 billion annually to cover the cost of employee health care and missed work due to stress-related situations. So we are overstressed. And it says some of the causes now track is the lack of money or the increase of money. Work problems, family relationship problems, changes in your lives, poor health, poor nutrition, media overload, and sleep deprivation. All of which discipline could solve. But because we don't have discipline to turn the TV off and go to bed at a normal time, we are sleep deprived and we wake up, have to go to work now and we're on edge, angry and going off on people because we didn't get our proper rest. We're overworked and we're not eating healthy. We're not eating properly. So our body is suffering. And then we get mad at everybody else when we can't fit the clothes that we try on in the mall. And we're upset because I paid $60 for these jeans just two, three months ago, and now I can't seem to wear them. Don't want to give them away because I don't want to see the sister in them when I can't wear them. (laughs) We're upset and we're mad because we lack discipline to live the life that God said we could live. We're overworked. It says the effects of these things are health problems, difficulty sleeping, poor eating habits, headaches, fatigue, depression, mental health problems, anger and irritability, burnout, stomach problems. And we cope with these things by doing these. We overeat. Or we eat poorly because we're stressed. We go to the haagen And we think it's better because we get the low fat. (laughs) So we feel better. We eat poorly. We 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 fall and we sleep all day. We go shopping. See, y'all ladies, y'all trying to act like y'all don't y'all leaving me out there. I know what we do. We go to the mall. And we say, we'll figure out where the money is going to come from a little later. But right now, I need to feel better. And that blouse that's hanging up over over there with a 30% discount makes me feel better when I put it on and look at myself in the mirror and say, thank you, God. We drink alcohol, we smoke cigarettes, we do drugs in order to cope with the stress-related problems that we brought upon ourselves because we lack discipline. So we handle the lack of discipline by being more undisciplined. Matthew 6 and 24 says, No one can serve two masters. 
says, either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body. What will you wear? Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or 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 they do not labor or spend. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well therefore do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself each day has enough trouble of its own so here now when we think about why we lack the discipline and what now puts us in position that we are stressed and and overly stressed because of our life situations. And here a writer begins to talk about the reason why we are stressed is not because of the particular events that goes on in our lives. It's because of what we choose to believe. An unknown writer said, it is not the experience of today that drives us mad. It is the remorse or bitterness for something which happened yesterday and the dread of what tomorrow might bring. It's what we choose to believe and what we choose to hold on to. So as I look at now what God is speaking in this this particular verse of, of Matthew 6, I'm looking at God and I'm saying, in one hand, you're telling us that you're sending us out here as lambs among wolves. And we're going to run into all of these problems and difficulties that we're going to face and troubles that we're going to have. But then you turn around and say, but don't worry. Don't worry yourself about anything. He said, go out and don't take anything with you. Don't give any cares about your own life. Don't worry about what's going to happen to you. How are you going to eat and how are you going to be clothed and how are you going to take care of yourself? He said, go on out as I send you and don't worry about those things because I know what you need before you need it. And I can only say to that that either God has some perverse sense of humor or he knows something about this life that we don't know. Amen. 
Oh, come on, somebody. He knows something that we have yet to understand or we have yet to believe about what he did. Here is where the power of the gospel message of Jesus comes in at. It talks about the fact that our belief system, what we believe and what we know then causes the stress, the emotional breakdown, the mental breakdown, the overloads that we go into. It causes those things to happen in our lives because now we have not practiced our beliefs. We have not practiced what we know about Jesus Christ. We have not practiced it to such a degree that now what we read in the Bible is not just words on pages, but they are things that we have meditated on, things that we have thought through, and things that we have set in the presence of the Holy Spirit and allowed him to lift the words off the pages and cause the light, the word to become life, to breathe fresh wind into the word now that it is not black and white, red and white scriptures on pages, but it is life to me. It is a thing that strengthens me. It is a thing that empowers me. It is a thing that causes me to endure infliction. It is a thing now that speaks to me to say, stand no matter what. And after you have stood, keep on standing because who Christ is and what Christ has done has not changed. It is the same today, yesterday, and forevermore. Power has always been on the throne of heaven and what I need to do is change my focus as to what I believe. I need to stop looking at my problems and thinking my problems now is a result of those that are around me. But look now on the inward parts and say how much of me believes about what he said and what he has done. Why am I worried about a job that might go away when he told me he was my source. He was my provider. He was my everything. Why am I worried about those things? Why am I worried about the food that is on my table when he said he would always provide for me? Why am I not looking with expectation, believing God at his word? Why? Because he said it. Because he promised it. Because he promised that he would send a man that would get on the cross and pay the debt for each of us now and make provision and make way for those that could not do it for themselves. Why do I not believe on him? So I give my mind away to worry, to fear, to anxiety, and to pressure. Why do I not believe like he told those disciples as they went out? Don't worry about what you're going to say. Because in the moment that you need me, I will give you the words to speak. Oh, come on, somebody. Why am I worried about a paper that I have to write in college and a thesis that I have to write? Why am I worried about that when I pray before God? Ask of him to speak through me. Ask of him to give me the wisdom that I need. And when I write on pages, why do I not believe that the spirit of the living God will be my inspiration and give me the words that I need to write on these pages? Why am I worried about the professor when the Holy Spirit Spirit's power now is working.
I don't believe it. So I don't go to him in prayer. But I go to the professor. Why am I shaken by one person's opinion when God has already sealed my identity in Jesus Christ? Why am I taking on what other people say about me when I've been shaped in him and molded in him, formed in him, and he keeps on making me and keeps on making me? I might not be all that I am to be, but God by his spirit is working on me. How do I know it? Because I am sitting in his presence and yielding my members to him and yielding myself to him and asking of him, Lord, make me who you choose to make me to be. I lay myself prostrate before you, God, asking of you to go deeper than I can go in myself. I lay myself before you, asking you to do the things that I cannot do. Break the habits that I cannot break. Call me to a level that I cannot draw myself. I need the work of the Holy Spirit in me to keep shaping me and making me. So what do I do? I yield myself. Through the disciplines that I am called to. My God. We try to develop ways to discipline ourselves and to handle our own problems and to carry the weight and to balance it out and to control it. But these things worsen our situations because, again, we're trying to do them ourselves. The kind of discipline we need goes farther than a rule of an alarm clock and time cards and mere habits. Those things are temporary. We need more than external stimulation to, that's enforced by others or that we inflict upon ourselves. We need more than to say to ourselves that I'm going to do better. So I'm going to then commit myself to getting up every morning at 5 a.m. and praying. Can I tell y'all a story about myself? There was this period of time and season in my life where every morning at 5 a.m. I would wake for prayer. No alarm clock. I would just wake for prayer. And I would get before God and I would be in this presence, in this beauty of of his presence that awed me. And because of how awesome it was, I wanted to be there all the time. So every morning I woke at 5 a.m., 5 a.m. for prayer. And that went on for some years. And then changes began to happen in my life. And I was called into ministry. My responsibilities got greater, had more babies. For those that want babies, Increase of responsibility. And those things began to weigh on me. And so what began to happen is I became fatigued and tired physically in my natural body. And so what would happen is I started sleeping past 5 o'clock. 
Now, I would feel like this nudge of the Holy Spirit saying, come on. And I would just nudge him back and turn over and say, I'll have to catch you tomorrow. And so that went on for a period of time. And after a while, that which was habitual for me now began to go away. And I struggled for so long with condemnation. Because nobody ever told me that God, you know, still has 23 other hours in the day that you could pray. I figured he was only up at 5 o'clock. So it was only at 5 o'clock that I would pray. And when I would miss my 5 a.m. prayer, I would wake up highly condemned and weighed down and now would not even go before him or talk to him because I felt like I missed my appointment with him. So I was in this, this heavy condemnation and I, and I fought to get through it by trying to then change some things where before I didn't need an alarm clock. So I started setting the alarm clock, my cell phone, started having people to call me at five o'clock because I need to be up at five o'clock. So I started putting all of these things together in order to help me to get up at five. Where they failed, the alarm clocks didn't work. I couldn't get up and I still missed my prayer. And so I kept going deeper and deeper into condemnation. And and I'm talking a long period of time. Why? Because I had this religious mindset where I did not understand now that the thing that I do in prayer is not the thing that makes me holy. It's not the thing that's sanctifies me. It's not the thing that makes me who I am meant to be, but it is a privilege and it is an honor for God to be able to allow us to come before his presence for prayer. I didn't look at it as an honor. I looked at it as a duty. And because I looked at it as a duty and when I failed in my responsibilities, then condemnation came in like a flood. And then it took now the power of the Holy Spirit to come and say, my child don't you know that heaven is always open to you that no matter where you are no matter where you go you can always come home and pray you can always get in the presence of your father wouldn't it be something if those that of us that leave home and our parents tell us you can't come back home except 6 p.m on friday nights how would you feel about that where home is meant to be the thing that draws you because you know that you can come to that place and always come home. But then if someone puts you in this frame and says, you can only come home at 6 p.m., that thing now becomes drudgery for you. And so now the Holy Spirit said, I need you to understand that the disciplines that I called you to are not for you to use that as some badge of honor. It's not for you to use now as some sign of your holiness. It's not for you to use as some sign that you are sanctified and that you are powerful in God. But those things I give to you because I love you. They are gifts to you that I give you this opportunity that you can bring me in and draw yourself even closer to me by these practices that I call you to. They are not signs of holiness. But they are pathways and tools that God uses to draw us in. Disciplines we are called to. Disciplines we must yield to. 
fasting. Fasting now is what we call, it's a voluntary abstinence from food for spiritual purposes. Now, for those of us that like to eat, fasting is one of those unpopular practices. There are many practices, and you're going to hear some of them spoken throughout this month by the other ministers that are going to share with you on some other particular uh, practices. But particularly, I'm going to talk today about fasting. Why? Because fasting for me is one that's very dear to me and one that I have practiced greatly some because of great need in my life. And I have seen great results because of it. So fasting is one of those things that even doctrinally we struggle with because some believe that fasting is not necessary. We take on passages of scripture where Jesus spoke to his disciples or spoke concerning his disciples and said that those things that the disciples now are with him and in his presence and so because they are with him and in his presence then there is no need now for fasting and so because we read those passages we believe that fasting is not necessary because we are saved by the grace of God. But fasting now is again one of those practices that do more for us than they do for God. I want us to understand that. Fasting is because of the place of need in our own lives. Fasting uh, now can be, uh, can be abstaining from food only, abstaining from food and water. It can be from abstaining from certain foods. <clears throat> and those things now of all things that we do in our disciplines, our approach to discipline should be spiritual. There should be spiritual. If we approach disciplines without a spiritual focus, then we lack now the work and the power that the Holy Spirit wants to bring in our lives because we can do discipline. Fasting now is a medical thing they call you to, but people can fast and not get any closer or not see any result, any spiritual depth of change in our lives by fasting. But when we add on to discipline, a spiritual focus, then we get to see what the power of God is able to do. Christ lived a disciplined life now because of the hope that was set before him. So his aim for for living that life was because of what God had showed him was to come. And so when uh, when we go into these disciplines, we have to go in with a focus, a spiritual mindset, a spiritual desire of what we want. God to do in our lives. So now fasting now is a biblical thing, and I'm going through them uh, rather quickly because of time, and we can't get too deep into the doctrinal aspect of what fasting is, but I'm going to share some things with you, and you can write the passages down to go back and refer to on your own. But here, fasting is biblical. There are many accounts of fasting. Jesus fasted 40 days and 40 nights and then was led into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil, according to Matthew 4 and 2. Uh, John the Baptist ate only locusts and wild honey while serving in the wilderness, according to Matthew 3 and 4. Esther called the Jews to fast for her while she prepared to hear from God and to go before the king, Esther 4 and 16. Moses fasted 40 days and 40 nights in order that he might hear God clearly as he stood in his presence on the mountain of Mount Sinai. Elijah fasted 40 days and 40 nights while he traveled to Horeb in order to stand before God. The Jews, by congregation now in the church of Antioch, fasted as they prepared 
prepared to worship the Lord. Wouldn't that be amazing if we came in for a worship service having fasted so that we can come before God prepared for worship? I'm just throwing that out there. Nations. Through the king Jehoshaphat and the nation of Nineveh, they fasted in response to God's message of warning uh, and, and danger that was before them. So they resolved to inquire of the Lord, so they fasted. In the early American uh, 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 of our nation now, the presidents, our presidents, John Adams, James Madison, and Abraham Lincoln, they fasted. Now, before warfare, they fasted before having to make great decisions. Fasting is a principle now in a discipline that we take upon ourselves for multiple reasons. As we look at fasting now and what fasting was able to do, it was able to prepare them for battles and prepare them for difficulties that they were going to face and the hardships that they were going to, difficulties that would come their way. Fasting also now prepared them to be delivered and to be taken out of the hand of the enemy and from the oppression of the enemy. Fasted, fasting also prepared them that they would discern and hear more clearly the voice of God as he spoke to them. So in our day-to-day life right now, when we look at ourselves and we're constantly seeking God and we're asking God to do great things, Pastor Michael brought up today about this particular city of Chicago and the murder rate is sky high. And we are now praying and we're praying and we're praying and we're asking God to do some things. But God said the power of fasting, according to scripture, he says that some things only come out by prayer and fasting. So some things only happen. Demonic things that are taking place now and warfare that is happening now can only sometimes come out because of prayer and fasting. Oppressions now and by authorities now and governing powers now that are being erected against people in opposition. Those things are only brought down by prayer and fasting. And so we offer God prayers, but how often do we fast along with the prayers? So now God is calling us to be a people, not only that we seek God through these practices of prayers, because those things seem common that we would be people that pray, but to practice fasting in our lifetime in order to add to and make our prayers now more fervent, our intercession more passionate and our supplications that we offer those things now with clarity and great expectation of what we're asking God to do. Those disciplines now, they do things in us and they cause things to be changed around us. So when we go forth in disciplining ourselves, we are not only saying to God, God, I need you now to do something in me. Those things that I find it difficult to overcome. One of the things I realized is I went through this very hard season in my own personal life. And by the Spirit of God, I was called to fasting, and I fasted for long periods of time, for a long season. And what I remember, and then people always say to me, because at that time, I lost more weight. I lost so much weight, I was skinny as a toothpick. I, I mean, they, my pockets met in the back. I was so skinny. And, and I didn't even realize how much weight I had lost. Listen to how powerful God is. Because we think fasting when we are abstaining from food, we think that we're going to be desiring and having these strong urges for food and 
we're not going to be able to go without it. But when we are giving ourselves for spiritual focuses, God, by his power, comes in and strengthens us and fortifies us that we can abstain for that period of time that he might work in us. So I went these long periods of time in fasting, and I didn't even realize how much weight I lost until one day I put on a skirt and buttoned it up, and the skirt fell to the floor. And I realized something happened. I had lost so much weight, but I didn't realize it, one, because even though this was the hardest, most difficult time of my life, the things that I struggled with, the warfare that I was going through, the decisions that I had to make, the warfare of my mind, is those things was taking place. But I felt the strongest I had ever felt spiritually during that time. That's why I didn't realize how much weight I lost. I didn't realize people were looking at me feeling so sorry for me because I looked like I was starving. But God was empowering me. And so that every time things would come, I felt like I was living Psalm 91 where those difficulties would come my way, but they would fall to my right side and fall to my left side. Not because of how great I was, but because I was so focus to believe God and to believe what Christ had said and he promised me that he would never leave me nor would he forsake me and so in my times of trouble and while I was praying and fasting he kept reminding me I'm here I'm here I'm here and I've already taken care of all I need you to do is live through this moment because this too shall pass if you will only believe me God said trust me know that I am doing this work in you. And because I had quieted myself through the discipline of fasting, I could hear him when he would speak to my heart and tell me it's going to be okay. And when the situations would come, he would say they will not prosper. And when the difficulties would seem to overwhelm me, he said you will come through this just like you did everything else. Know that I've gone before you. And he began to move things and change things that I didn't have power to do. I didn't have to speak many words and I didn't have to do many things because God was at work through me because I had only him and only him to depend on. And so my soul was quieted before him. Whereas if I would have been focused on my own desires and focused on what I thought I could fix and what I thought I could take care of, I would have been running myself crazy. But to be still, where fasting caused me to sit still and caused me to slow down and caused me to focus on him and to trust him. I came to that point in time in my life where I could say, God, you are faithful. What you said you did on the cross, you surely did it. Why? Because I'm seeing it in my life every single day. Can we give God a praise? Some of you need to add fasting to your prayers because some things are too difficult for you and some problems you cannot fix on your own. He says, fasting is meant to put your soul at rest. To put your soul at rest and to cause you to see him. To be still and know 
that I am God. It quiets you. It breaks you. It humbles you. So when you face those moments in time, you can clearly hear the voice of the Holy Spirit leading you, guiding you, comforting you, and encouraging you to trust him and to believe him. Some of you have seen difficulties go on for long periods of time. And you say, God, I've prayed, I've prayed, I've prayed. And yet I see no results. Then God will cause you to look within yourself and say, when you pray, do you believe what you're asking? When you pray, do you expect what you're asking? And when that is not the case, fasting brings you to that place as you can say, God, steal my soul that I might meditate on your word and believe what you say and trust you. So as I am still, Holy Spirit, work on me. You may stand to your feet. <clears throat> the people of God, as they wanted to be prepared to worship him, they wanted for their mind and their soul to be aligned to worship so they fasted. When Nineveh had sinned against God, and God called them to repentance, it says the whole nation fasted so that repentance wouldn't be words from their lips, but it would be sparked and stirred from the inner parts of their being. They wanted their repentance to be true, so be still, my soul. Is God calling you to a greater life of discipline? not to fulfill a quota, not to check the box, not to receive the applause of men, but to draw you, to drive you to the deeper places 
greater transformation and change and growth. If that's you, I just want you to pray with me now. Heavenly Father, today we come before you, Lord, as we say thank you. Thank you for the work of Jesus Christ as he has paid the debt and paid the price, Lord God, that we may come before you and that you might hear us, that you might receive us, Lord God, and that you may give us, oh God, all spiritual blessings, Lord God, that pertain to life and godliness. Those things, Lord God, that we need not only, Lord God, that we might stand in the righteousness and the holiness of Jesus Christ, but we might be transformed more and more like him every day. That you are at work through us now, Lord God, as you call us to these disciplines, oh God. Let the disciplines not, oh God, be laborious, oh God, to us. Let them not, Father God, be contemptuous for us, Lord God. But let them be things of passion and desire and zeal because we know what's set before us, Lord God. As we pray, as we meditate, as we study, Father God, as we be still before you, oh God, as we fast, Father God, we know that these things, Lord God, are drawing us closer, Lord God, and shaping us even the more, oh God, into the character of your son. We thank you that we are saved and we are being saved, Lord God, each and every day. We thank you that you are transforming us, Lord God, and that you are calling us to these disciplines, Lord God, because these things, Lord God, show us your work in us every day. So, Father, give us the strength, give us the desire, give us the passion, give us the zeal to seek, oh God, these disciplines for our life, Lord God, that we will look more like you, sound more like you, Lord God, and live the life that you have set before us, Lord God. We thank you for those, Lord God, that will commit themselves today to seeking you even the more to be shaped by your practices, oh God. Strengthen those, Lord God, that been feel the call and feel the press and the urge, Lord God, to fast, Lord God. Strengthen them in their faith to believe that you are gone before them, Lord God. And what they do, oh God, in honor of you, God, that you will be present with them, Lord God, to strengthen them and to journey through that time with them. Lead them, oh God, give them direction and guidance as they seek your face. And Father, we pray this with expectation that we will see the manifestation and the promises of your word, that you will show up, Lord God, and that each and every day we will see the power of the Holy Spirit working to transform us. And we give you the glory and we give you the praise now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.